today let's go over this week's reads this week i read the simon versus love is amy agenda and also leah on the offbeat uh but i also read those in addition to uh exit pursued by a bear uh which sam read last week and recommended to me and not gonna lie i was a bit let down um i didn't actually love any of the books that i read this week i'll get more into why i didn't love simon uh, later in this episode um, but while Sam raved about Exit uh, in last week's this week's read, I found it cliche and generally didn't like much of the setting nor the tropes. Uh, but while I did find the message portrayed in this book important, and I think like everyone should read it, it's only 200 pages, so it's not like a big time investment. Um, I thought that the good parts were pretty drowned out by me going, did she actually just say that? This is stupid. Why are they doing this? And I gave it three out of five stars. <laughs> oh my god. This week, I read Frankly in Love by David Yoon. This book follows a first-generation Korean-American kid named Frank Lee as he navigates his racial identity, especially as he dates a white girl, which his parents do not approve of. This book was so incredibly good. The author, David Yoon, is actually married to Nicola Yoon, who wrote The Sun is Also a Star and Everything Everything. And let me just say, what a power couple. Um, he has a really, really smart voice and was able to balance the sad and the hilarious, which both this book is chock full of both. I definitely think this book is worth an entire episode because there's a lot I need to say very personally about it. I would definitely give it, um, I think a 4.7 out of 5 stars because I think there was a little bit too much, like, detail at some points. Um, but I thought it was a very good read and one definitely worth going into. Uh, as I mentioned before, our main book for this week is Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli. Uh, this book is about a gay kid who is in an email relationship with another anonymous gay kid at his high school. Uh, the situation gets more complicated when another student finds the emails and threatens to out Simon if he doesn't get Simon's friend to hook up with him. This book is my favorite book of all time, although Sydney is not a fan, which is okay. Um, but this is going to be an extremely chaotic episode on my end because I think I've read this book eight times, which is a little sad. We will be spoiling this book as well as the movie Love, Simon. Love, Simon is based off of Simon Versus, if you didn't know that already. But we will not be spoiling Leah on the offbeat, so take that as you will. Uh, so before we get into our favorite parts of the book, uh, we thought we'd break down some of our characters. Uh, so Simon- Some of Sam's favorite characters. <laughs> So, uh, Simon Spires, the main character of the book, uh, we sort of already told you that he is in, in like an anonymous email relationship, and that's sort of like the main basis of his character in the book. Uh, so, Leah Burke is uh, Simon's childhood best friend. Uh, she is very outspoken and sort of passionate about everything that she does, which I will address later because I have some qualms with it. Anyway, um, Abby Suso, she's a newer kid in town. She's also part of the gang or whatever. Uh, she is like the perfect straight-A student, and she's also Nick's girlfriend. Nick Eisner is another one of Simon's best friends, uh, and similarly to Leah, they've known each other since they were really little. Um, Martin Addison is Simon's blackmailer, and he's the one who kind of tells Simon, like, oh, I'm gonna release these emails unless you get Abby Suso to hook up with me. Um, Nora is Simon's little sister, and who's iconic, and I hope they write a spinoff about her. And um, lastly, there's Blue, who is later revealed to be Brian Greenfeld, who is Simon's, like, email boyfriend, 
and also plays soccer with Nick. So my favorite part of the book, and I think the only part of the book that Sydney liked, was <laughs> Becky Albertelli's writing. Um, she's one of my favorite authors, and I think because she's really funny, and all the characters she writes have various forms of humor, but they're all like very funny and they're very sarcastic which I really appreciate mm -hmm. um, because I think that the more sarcastic a character is, the better. Um, especially Simon, I think he's very funny and very awkward and definitely has a lot of like, I don't know, insecurities that I think a lot of high schoolers would like agree with that he's like very embarrassed by his parents and also like simultaneously like entertained by them, which I think is definitely like a very specific kind of vibe that a lot of people have. Um, and I think also just generally about, like, the anxiety. This is a cliche that's kind of, like, I don't know, kind of throughout the book. But, like, announcing who you are to the world is pretty scary. And as a gay person myself, I can say, like, it is scary to come out. And I think that she does a really great job of kind of combining the anxiety and the hilarity of all of it. Especially, like, coming out to your friends. Um... And I think she does that in a very smart way and I think a very fun way. And one of the reasons why I've read this book so many times and so many of her other books so many times is because I think that, like, her voice is so comforting to me. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, the way she writes, I think it's very easy to kind of, like, sit down and read one of her books and not feel, like, too weighed down by it, you know? Yeah, I think, like, going back to just her writing style in general, I think probably one of the only things that actually kept me reading this book, well, besides the fact that I knew I had to do an episode on it, um, was reading the emails between Blue and Jock, because, like, they have kind of, she kind of gave them distinct voices, and they were, like, relatable voices, and they were funny voices, um, and, like, you sort of see her go from a more sophisticated narrative, like, Becky Arbitale, uh, isn't her, um, you see, can you kind of see her write, like, a more sophisticated uh, narrator and then you get like very distinct between Blue and Jacques and I think that that was pretty interesting like it just speaks to like her brain I guess. So another kind of way that I really love Becky Albertelli's writing is in the writing of Aaliyah and although she really gets on my nerves at some points in the book as in like I'm reading what she's saying and I'm like Aaliyah like you have to get over yourself <laughs> like like not everything requires like this much anger I guess. I also really appreciated the uniqueness of her character um, as well as like the uniqueness of her character and Leah on the offbeat because I think a lot of the times in writing we don't really get to see diverse female characters. Like we get to see like the smart girl and the pretty girl and sometimes there's the smart pretty girl and that's like really it. And Leah I think is definitely kind of a world of her own and kind of reminds me of a little bit of like a Holden Caulfield type as in like annoying. Not annoying, but, like, she's very angry. <laughs> like, she's very angry, and it seems like there's a lot of points in time where you're like, you can be doing things. Yeah, just like how I did not like Holden Caulfield because of how unnecessarily angry he was, I I did not click with Leah. I thought that she was very, um, she took things to another level, and not in a good way. Um, for example, when she got very unnecessarily jealous of um what's his face simon uh being friends with other people how dare he he was friends with other people and she just stopped talking to him she's just like nope we aren't doing this anymore i i was like there's absolutely no point in this this is you're not getting anywhere with this if you have a conversation with him then maybe you'll get somewhere but you just like shut him out and whenever he tries to talk to you you yell at him 
because you think that the world revolves around you and that you are the main character. Well, actually, well, you're not the main character. Even I, have, I, have to, I have to disagree with you there because I think that, like, Leah's story is, like, one of neglect and that there are a lot of people in her life who have walked out on her and walked out on, like, her mom as well. And while I'm not excusing the fact that, like, okay, first of all, I just want to say, if you are the kind of girl who gets angry at your boyfriend or, like, your significant other for having, like, friends of, like, your gender, then, like, that's stupid. And also, if you're a boy who gets mad at your significant other for having, like, friends of that gender. And I'm not excusing that part of Leah um, because I think that that's, to be honest, lazy writing. But I do think that it is relatable to kind of see your best friend get closer with somebody else and be, like, a little jealous. Maybe not to the extent that Leah was, like, maybe not to the extent where you literally stop talking to him because you're, like, really jealous. But maybe to the point where, like, you feel left out or hurt or even just, like, wow, like, I'm getting replaced. And I think to Leah, that was, like, times ten because, like, her dad left her when she was younger. And she was kind of, like, I think mentally preparing herself for when Simon was going to leave her and being kind of, like, overdramatic as she is. Um, and... And I think that she kind of, like, magnified the whole situation without really, like, talking to him, which I think is, like, definitely petty, but also, like, a little understandable to some extent. I don't know. That's just my take. Yeah. I don't know. I was just using that as an example. I just, like, wasn't a fan of how her character was written in general. I don't know. She just kind of felt like a jerk to me. I don't know. I feel like if I met her in school, she'd be someone that I would steer clear of. Um, and I don't, when I read, I kind of read to find, like, a friend in a story and when I met with someone who's supposed to be a friend who I would just never talk to unless forced, then I'm just, like, not a fan of the character. I don't know. It's just, like, a personal thing. I don't know. Maybe Sam would be good friends with her. I feel like, yeah, I would be good friends with her. I, like, happen to attract, like, fellow salty people. And I think that, like, <laughs> I think that, although, like, some we would get into fights a lot. Like, I don't picture this to be, like, a stable friendship, but I can absolutely picture myself friends with Leah just like the vibes I don't know so um one of the last things that I really love about this book is Simon and Bran's relationship at the end because they're so cute and I think that that's just kind of fun to read about just like people being happy and that sounds so sad but like honestly it's just nice to read a book where the characters end up happy but I think that's just nice and I think um she kind of gets into more of like the what happens next and um Love Creekwood, which is, like, a novella that she released this summer, and I think at a lot of, like, the end of high school books, you're like, okay, but this relationship isn't gonna last, because they're going to college, and, uh, Becky Albertalli kind of goes into, like, oh, what does a long-distance relationship actually look like, um, and, like, how kind of upsetting that is sometimes in, um, Love Creekwood, which is, like, 100 pages, and it's cute, so if you like the series, definitely would recommend um, and I think that that's kind of, like, really nice because while I have some qualms with, like, the queer storytelling a little bit in this book, which I'll get into, we'll get into in a second, I do think it's really nice to see a queer couple in a high school relationship end up in the same way that, like, a straight couple would. Because I think a lot of times, like, authors feel like they have to add, like, a lot of tragedy into queer storytelling and I think now we're seeing more of, like, oh, this is, like, a cute queer story that is, like, could be told, like, could be a straight person story, but it's, like, queer people instead. 
at the time this book was written and the books before then, there really wasn't any, like, happy endings. It was a lot of, like, tragedy and, like, being like, oh, you know, a lot of homophobia, which is, you know, definitely exists and should be talked about, but, like, at some point you're like, I want to see two queer people be happy. Like, I want to be able to read a cute story about a queer couple and be happy. And that's another reason why I love Shit's Creek, because in that story, there's no homophobia. And there's a gay couple, and they get to be happy and, like, quirky in a way that's, like, very gay, but also, like, could be done by a straight person because nobody's ever like, oh, you're gay, and that's wrong. Um, and that's, I guess, my long window way of saying that it's comforting to see that people to see two people in high school have this relationship because a lot of gay people probably agree with me on this, is that, like, for a while when I was younger, I was like, oh, like, there's no way to be gay and happy in your young adult life. Like, look at all these stories and all these instances of, like, like, having a high school relationship is for straight people, um, and, like, being in love and being cute like that is for straight people, and it's really nice to see, like, just a cute story about, like, two queer people having the time of their lives. Okay, so now that Sam has finished giving this book the praise, I'm going to give it the criticism that it needs. Okay, first off, we oh are- God. I, This is a personal thing. I despise books that are set in a high okay, school. why though? I go to high school. I don't need to read about someone going to high school. Also, okay. every book that's ever been set in a high school is the most cliche thing I've ever read. Like, there is none of the things that happen in this book really happen in real life. Like, there's never been a big high school play where the director has to go on because the sick kid had to be replaced See, by the kid. that was... Had to be replaced by the kid who was working the thingy, and then he was horrible. And he, that... I, we can, I don't know what I was saying there. But you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I, I was just, like, saying something. But, like, like, nobody is that invested in anybody else's relationship. Yeah, like, I guess it's, like, a big thing. Like, no one cares that much. And I always find them very cliche and very tropey and not in a good way. Um, so, yeah, it's just, like, I don't like reading books set in a high school. So, that's just, that's my thing with that. Um, so, oh, we already went into how Leah's located jerk. Okay, so I'm gonna we're gonna do a separate one on this one. Um, so let's talk about how a lot of this book, in my opinion, was kind of forgettable. Like there was sort of one, one like main storyline that I remember, and then everything else. I read this book five days ago. All I can tell you is the main storyline. I could not tell you a single other thing that happened in this. <laughs> Jesus book, okay. Christ. Like, it is so forgettable that I, it's, it baffles me. Like, I don't know if I've read a book that follows one storyline so tightly that I just, it, like, brushes off everything else that happens in the book. You're just used to reading, um, multiple POV fantasy books. Actually, I don't usually read multiple POV fantasy books. Six of Crows is an anomaly for me. Really? Um, Wait, yeah. I don't... Okay. I, choose, I usually read, like, single POV fantasy books. You know what? <laughs> it's, like, a normal thing. Six of Crows is different, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, Six of Crows is not like the other girls. Um, and so, yeah, I just... It wasn't exciting. Like, I don't know if it warranted a whole 300 pages. I probably could have told this story in 10 minutes, you know? And gotten, like, the same amount of stuff across. Okay, and then one thing that Sam and I 
this isn't specific to this book. This is specific to YA, like queer YA contemporaries in general. Um, is there, is there, do authors capable of writing like a queer YA contemporary without making it a coming out story? No, seriously. Like, are they not, are they not capable of it? Like, that's why I don't usually read queer YA contemporaries. You know, I'm going to recommend you all to read queer YA fantasies, though, because it all is much, much more, yeah. much better, in much all of more those, well done. In all of those worlds, coming out, like, really isn't a thing. They're like, cool, have fun with that. Much better done. Okay, sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, in Six of Crows, Wyland and Jesper never came out. Like, they're it's just, just like, like, yeah, I like you. Just girls? Yeah. And then that was it. Yeah. I mean, like... Yeah, I think that... Wait, that, shoot, it's just girls? No. And then that was... <laughs> I think that, like, honestly, I really want to see YA authors, just authors in general, come to the understanding that queer culture does not begin and end with coming out. That there is so much more to, like, the queer life. It sounds like it should be a serial. The queer <laughs> life, no. Um, there's so much more to queer living and living as a queer person in America than homophobia and coming out. Like, yes, both of those things are like pretty monumental in, a, in a, any queer person's life. Um, and they should be talked about, but they shouldn't be like the main focus of any story. And I think that it kind of does queer people a disservice to be like, oh, like the biggest moment in your life, the most important moment in your life as a queer person will be coming out. And that's not true. Like, there is so much more there's so much more to like queer culture even and like the dynamics of all of that and and like the various subcultures that have existed and you know the united states for like centuries surrounding queer culture that and like just like writing continuous like coming out stories i don't think does it justice however like this is a ya novel and it was pretty groundbreaking for its time and i can appreciate that but i think like i think looking at it now and just being like Wait, no, this book was released in 2013. I'll cut out the part about 2017. Okay, thank you. Um, and just kind of being like, we remember our book. And just kind of being like, oh, I don't know. I think that it was groundbreaking for the time, and it's like, oh, you know, here it is. It's like two gay people doing something that's like, like having a high school relationship, having a, a relationship that ends or, like, begins similarly to, no, actually, having a high school relationship in person, like, if you forget the emails, and it's just Simon and Brown, like, that's a pretty normal relationship for, like, straight people, I guess, um, but also, like, queer people, I don't know, it's kind of tricky, because at the the same time, I'm like, oh, I need people, like, I feel like queer youth need to know that, like, their stories are normal, and their stories are, like, worth telling, but at the same time, I'm like, like, queer culture doesn't have to run parallel to straight culture, you know? They don't have to be one thing. And queer people, in order to have stories worth telling, don't need to have, like, a copy and paste story of a, like, a straight story, but with queer characters. Um, and so I think for, like, in the future, I would like to read more books that's just, like, oh, here's all this story about, like, a queer subculture or, like, queer people living their lives um, in a way that's uniquely queer but not surrounding coming out. Yeah. Overall, I definitely think this book is worth reading. I think 
No book should be exempt from criticism, and I'm kind of surprised it took us this long to find a book that, like, both of us, that, that we had differing opinions on, um, because, yeah, we have very different tastes. If you um, throw me a contemporary, I'll, like, find everything wrong with it. Yeah, so. basically. Basically. And I just want a story where everyone's happy. Um, and, um, hopefully you like Frankly in Love, though. I think you will. It's very different from Simon. Yeah, I love booktuber that I watched that reads mostly fantasy really liked it. That's why I said, that's why I thought I might like it. Yeah. So. It's like Yeah. I think like one of the reasons why I love it so much and we can always just put this in the next week's episode is that like Frank Lee is an extremely annoying like not annoying character but a very complicated character. And I think that like there's a lot of Jewish things I can say about it. Anyway. Um so if Rabbi, Rabbi Phyllis, if you're listening to this, we did we this never for the link. Oh my god, no! We will later, it's okay. Oop. Um, I think it's worth reading. I think that it's worth kind of appreciating. If you're ever, if it's ever raining outside, and you're like, I don't know what to do, I kind of just want to, like, sit down and read a cute book with my blanket. And this is the book for that. It's not, it doesn't take you too long to get through it. I think every time I read it, it takes me, like, an hour, maybe, two, uh, depending on how fast I'm reading that day. Um... What are you doing? Anyway, um, and so I definitely think it's, like, cute. It's, you know, light. It's kind of like Gilmore Girls to me. Like, that kind of vibe. I don't know. Okay, so this is only a minute-long segment. We can just do the bagels in here, too. Okay, sure. Okay, so now I did not think of what bagel. Okay, I'm going to give it a plain bagel. Um, so now we are going to give this book a bagel. And in my opinion, this is a plain bagel with, like, nothing on it. Um, there's a lot that isn't great about it, but, like, it's still yummy. Like, I'll eat it. Like, I'm not mad about eating a plain bagel, but, like, there are a lot of... Number six. Everybody is walking through the Glencoe town hall today, ladies and gentlemen. And, like, I'm not mad about eating a plain bagel. Like, there's no bagel that I'm mad about eating. Um, but, like... There's nothing exciting about a plain bagel either, and there are a lot more options that are better. Yeah. I would give this book a blueberry bagel um, because I think that it it's kind of like plain. I guess it's a little cliche, but there's also got some like cute little moments of flavor, and it's like fun to eat, and you feel like happy while you're eating it. And like when you eat it, it's sweet, and it's kind of light. And, like, you can definitely eat other stuff with it. That's, a, like, no. What am I saying? <laughs> it's, like, when you eat it, it's, like, sweet and light. And it's got a little bit of flavor um, where you can be, like, this is a good bagel. But not so much where you're, like, I only eat this and then I'm done. Like, this is a kind of a book where you, it's, like, oh, I'm going to read this book and then I'm going to do other things in the day. Not as in, like, I'm going to read this book and then sit there and think about this book for, like, two hours. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, so... Then we're going to give it stars, and so this is the first book on this podcast that I've given below, like, 4.5 stars, but I'm going to give this a solid, like, 3 out of 5, maybe, oh like, god. a 2.75. Oh my god! I did not like this book very much. Why did you say something to me? No, <laughs> because oh, you were happy about it. And when I want to do a book that you hate, I have leverage. That's true. Um, That's true. So, Yeah. 
I gave all my critiques already. Um, but like, it's not like it was a one star read. Like, I finished it. Even if we weren't doing a podcast on it, I would have finished it. Um, but like, it wasn't anything amazing. So, I would give this a four out of five stars because I really liked it. As I've said before, I think it's cute, and I think it's a fun read. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think that Becky Albertelli's writing is very fun and very cute. I keep saying those two words. Yeah. Um, I think their writing was very smart and very energetic writing. Mm-hmm. Energetic writing, and I think that it was a fun read. Um, and I'm going to read it again at some point soon because I'm going to need it. Um, but, yeah, I think that there's definitely, like, moments I think that could have been better. I think that the whole blackmail situation should have been resolved better in Leah on the offbeat, which I guess is more of a critique of, like, the universe itself as opposed to Simon versus. Um, and also I would like to see, like, gay storytelling told beyond, you know, just the classic, like, I don't want to come out kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Thumbs up. Cool. Echad, Stein, Shalosh, Okay. Okay. Echad, Stein, Shalosh, Books and Bagels in the Morning.